Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to Bar Humbug, a podcast about the cuddliest of all movie genres, the Christmas movie. My name is Helen O'Hara and I'll be flying the sleigh through another selection of Christmas films, old and new. And today we're going to be talking about Noel, which stars Anna Kendrick as Santa's daughter, and David Dobkin's Fred Claus, which stars Vince Vaughn as Santa's brother. Good luck spotting the common thread between these two films. And yes, American listeners, if we have any, which I don't really know as yet, uh, you may have seen Noel last year, but we only just got it on Disney Plus this year. So you're going to have to make allowances for the sheer time it takes to cross the Atlantic. So with me to talk about these two are two of the world's greatest movie experts, uh, two men who celebrate Christmas the right way each year by running barefoot in a vest around Fox Plaza. First of all, I'm delighted to welcome Sam Clements, who's the host of the 90 Minutes or Less podcast discussing those precious films that run to a sensible length. And the slightly less sensible The Holiday Season podcast, which is an in-depth and exhaustive look at Nancy Meyer's Christmas classic. Hello, Sam. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, I slightly regret starting the holiday season uh, podcast. It was supposed <laughs> to be a one and done gag, but it's now spawned a whole series and is spanning multiple years. <laughs> because you're going, I mean, you're going really in depth. Like it's fair to say you are absolutely delving into every aspect of the holiday. Absolutely. I've, I've, I've interviewed the person who's literally written the book on director-writer Nancy Myers and several members of the cast, including uh, an actor who has a single line in the movie, oh. <laughs> but she was put in the trailer. And because she was in the trailer, she got loads of calls from Hollywood agents wanting to cast her in other things. But that the line in the trailer is her only line in the film. And it sort of had a really big knock-on effect on her career. So yeah, we went into the really minute detail <laughs> with this. Wow. How many years do you anticipate this running for? Uh, I feel like it's, it's, I've probably got a couple more years in it. <laughs> Amazing. I cannot wait. Cannot wait to hear this this year's uh, episodes. We're also joined by some dude called Chris Hewitt, it says here, um, who's apparently Generalissimo of the Empire podcast. So we probably have met each other before. Chris, how are you doing? Hello, Helen. I'm Chris Hewitt. Uh, I am uh, from the Empire podcast. You may remember me. I, I, it does ring a bell. I We've think so. Yeah, I think you, I was wearing my blue jumper, I think. You were yeah. wearing your blue jumper. You're, yeah. fact, you're, wearing something, you're wearing a blue jumper right now, as a matter of fact. Oh my God, this is all coming together. You'll never um, forget this moment. <laughs> I, I really won't. I might. Uh, yeah, I'll like be honest. Sort of in first Dennis a Menace, uh, Helen's got a sort of blue and black jumper on, or a, a, a Christmassy Kruger. A fairy yeah. Christmassy Kruger, that's what I'm going to go with. Thanks. I put on my knife gloves specially, so that really works. <laughs> so first of all, let's just kind of calibrate uh, the episode. How mm. much of a fan of Christmas movies are you both? Are you uh, more of an elf or more of a Grinch, would you say? <laughs> I think Christmas movies are the greatest genre of, in all of cinema. Um, wow. I, <laughs> I think a lot of work goes into a Christmas film because as a filmmaker making it, it's not just a you got to get the opening weekend done and it needs to be good for, you know, a trip to the cinema. It needs to be good year mm. in, year out. Um, yeah, a Christmas think... movie is for life, not just for Christmas. 
absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still watching, you know, in, in mainstream kind of terms, you know, people talk about It's a Wonderful Life, which came out in the 40s, The Shop Around mm-hmm. the Corner, the 40s, The Bishop's Wife, you know, these are, you know, it's it's rare that, you know, a mainstream audience might be talking about films that are 60, 70 years old. So yeah, I, I appreciate the art that goes into a Christmas film. Chris, how about you? I feel like you're a little bit more grinchy, a little bit. No, I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas. And uh, earlier on, you talked about Christmas meat and I love Christmas meat. Uh, I always have I always have a turkey and a beef. <laughs> a turkey a and beef? a beef. Yeah. Not a, not a ham is your second meat. No, I don't know ham. See, we used to, whenever I was growing up, my mum used to make turkey, beef and a ham. Right. But oh my God. As I've got older, I tend to focus just on a, on a dual meat Christmas. That's my system. So <laughs> I go for turkey and a beef. Uh, but in terms of movies... Uh, no turkeys for me. Thank you very much. Hey. I only want the good stuff. Uh, yeah, I love Christmas movies. I love this time of year. Uh, you know, I am I am a bloke of a certain age, so I am contractually obligated to mention uh, Paddington and Paddington. No, uh, I'm <laughs> contractually obligated to mention Die Hard, of course. Right, yep, yep, but of course. I love Christmas films. I mean, when we were discussing what films to do to discuss on this show, mm. you know, I was pointing you very, very hard in the direction of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You were, yeah. How did and that I was, pan out, Helen? Look, I love Christmas Vacation. You know this. I really do. But this whole system I set up where I have to compare it to a you film this year, I know. I made it difficult. I shouldn't have made it difficult. I should have just made it easy. But I didn't. And here we are. And <laughs> now we have to live with the consequences, which involve, you know, these two films. So, you were so naughty let, when you could have been nice. <laughs> that's an interesting thing that we're going to discuss in these films. So, okay, let me just let me just set up the two films, and then we can we can get into them. We are going to discuss spoilers. We're not going to tiptoe around the spoilers. So, if you haven't seen these films and you think you want to, after the descriptions I'm about to give you, then please go away, have a look, come back and rejoin us. So, first of all. Noel is written and directed by Mark Miscongeniality Lawrence. I believe that is his legal middle name. <laughs> hey, and it stars- music and lyrics, please. Hey, sorry, that also. It stars Anna Kendrick as Noel Kringle, who's the daughter of Chris Kringle and sister to the newly appointed Santa, Nick Kringle, played by Bill Hader. Nick is struggling with his new role, but when Noel encourages him to take a short break and he goes completely AWOL, she finds herself outcast from North Pole society and forced to go after him into the real world, along with her elf nanny, Polly, who's played by Shirley MacLaine. So that's kind of the setup for that one. Fred Claus, completely differently, is a 2007 film that sees Paul Giamatti's Nick grow into a saint and take his family into immortality with him. So his elder and kind of normal achieving brother, Fred, played by Vince Vaughn, is kind of just swept up in his wake and and left with a whole heap of issues that he's never worked out. Centuries later, Fred's still hustling in Chicago and waiting for his big break. But when he needs to be bailed out of jail and tries to hit his brother up for a loan, he's dragged up to the North Pole for a family visit and may, just maybe, find a way to reconcile with his brother after all. Uh, So first of all, I mean, the comparison between these films, I've been, you know, I've had to spell it out in a few cases because it's been very spurious. In this case, it's basically very first base. They're Santa's siblings. They have to save Christmas, yada, yada, yada. So let's just start with, you know, what was your reaction to both films? Did you like them or not? For me, 
I I've been wanting to watch Noel for such a long time because this film was announced in like 2017. Yep. And I think that's when they shot it, maybe. And it was going to have a theatrical release. You know, a big Christmas movie fan here. I'm always looking for what's going to be on in cinemas around the holidays. <laughs> and, well, he's uh, something you need to inject into your fans. <laughs> can't just keep watching the holiday every year. Um, I mean, that too. <laughs> and I've actually been so I've been looking forward to Noel for quite a long time. You know, I like Anna Kendrick. Uh, she's great in Pitch Perfect and and so many other things and uh and yeah then it then it was announced that it was actually going to be one of the launch titles for disney plus which was great but as you mentioned people in the uk did not get disney plus uh, at the same time as everywhere else in the world so we've had to wait an extra year uh, mm. for this so this was great homework watching noel um <laughs> <laughs> fred claus i do remember having the chance to see it in 2007 at the cinema mm. uh when my now wife went to the cinema to watch it for some reason i chose not to do that so i've been meaning to watch this for like the last 13 years uh, and it was uh, yeah made for quite a jolly double bill with noel <laughs> yeah very very similar in some ways how about you chris you saw fred claus back in the day right i'm a big fan of fred claus i'm mm. i'm a fredvocate if that makes any sense uh i may be the only fan of fred claus in the world <laughs> but i like it i think it's really good fun it's got a, a, a lovely cynical streak which it was right in the middle of that sort of sweet spot for Vince Vaughn. There's mm. a lovely acerbic quality to Vince Vaughn that I think only the very best of his movies have really mined. Uh, you know, obviously the stuff he's done with John Favreau, but mm. things like Dodgeball lean into that kind of. He is for me the spiritual successor to Bill Murray in so many mm. many ways. He could be sardonic, he can be acerbic, he could be cynical on screen, but you still like him and root for him. And so things like Dodgeball, uh, not Four Christmases, but this movie really leans into that nicely. And as he's moved on in his career and as he's got a little bit older and bulked up a little bit as well, some of the heavier stuff that he's been doing recently leans into that lovely as well. Mm. Roll and Cell Block 99, which is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> Very much not. Very I think much it's like not. the opposite of a Christmas movie. <laughs> it very much is. Drag to Cost Concrete and Freaky, which comes out on Christmas Day, which is a perfect treat for us all. Uh, again, not a Christmas <laughs> movie, but it is now. But there's something about Fred Claus and that quality that I think works really, really well. Wedding Crashes, of course, you know, it's a, it's a reunion with David Dobkin, the director of, of that movie. Uh, and it was much maligned when it came out. And so I, I don't think I saw it when it came out. I think I saw it about a couple of years later. And I just thought, you know what? Let's give Fred Claus a whirl. And I just found myself being really taken by it. Uh, I thought it was very funny. I love the interplay between uh, Vince Vaughn and Paul Giamatti in particular mm. as his brother. It's got a nice heart to it, which I don't think is too cynical or manipulative, which is always a problem with Christmas movies. You know, they always have to have a message. They always have to have some sort of heart. And coming by heart on the big screen and making it feel like it hasn't been cooked up by a focus group is always tricky. Uh, I think I think this movie gets past that uh, neatly. Uh, it also has a genuinely great scene. Like, so even if you don't like Fred Claus, even if you I'm think with it's... You on this. It's crap, even if you think it's you know badly written, badly acted. I, I, you're no friend of mine if you think that. But even if you do think that, you have to admit that the focus group for less successful brothers, where we see Fred Claus having a chat with Stephen Baldwin, <laughs> Roger Clinton Jr., and Frank Stallone, is just perfection. It's wonderful. Maybe it's a, a direction that the movie, the rest of the movie could have gone in, but it's so it's so lovely and aware and uh, and self knowing, uh, and it's really really funny as well. Mm. And so I'm a big big fan of Fred Claus, 
And I have to say as well, we haven't talked about this on that other show we do yet. Um, mm. I guess we kind of overlooked it a little bit because it just we, suddenly we totally appeared. Forgot it, yeah. it appeared, it appeared. It suddenly appeared on Disney Plus as if put there by a man who came down your chimney. It's as if, you know, that, that, that guy who comes once a year and bears gifts for people without them even asking for it. What's his name? Bono. It's like Harry Bono Potter. just appeared on our phones and just, you know, it said, you know, I've given you the U2 album for free. Now here's Noel. Have at it. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what happened. So Noel appeared and we forgot to review it on the Empire podcast. So we will do that uh, at a later date. And I was slightly worried by this movie, I'll be honest, because as Sam said, the delay between the announcement, which is 2017, and then the fact that it was going to be theatrically released in 2019, and then Disney decided to move it to Disney Plus at the last minute, presumably to drive subscriptions, but also you think, oh, back your mind, is that a bad sign for the quality of the movie? And then they delayed a further year for us here in the UK, and, I just, uh, and the reviews were a bit mixed. And so I sat down to watch it uh, in slight Grinch mode, and then I thought, you know what? This is a delight. It's a delight. <laughs> it's a delight of a film. It's really fun. It's very cute. There is a, I mean, there is a baby reindeer that, you know, is kind of worth the admission price that doesn't exist alone, you know, <laughs> so like points for that. I, I, just to put my cards on the table, I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit less enthusiastic about Fred Claus. I really went in remembering, Most I remember <laughs> really wanting to like it and I really expected to like it because it was in that period where Vince Vaughn was kind of, you know, a reliable comedy hit maker, I felt like. Um and it just felt so Vince Vaughn doing his usual thing. I think like a lot of comedies, it's at least 20 minutes too long. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't cut anything out of the brother support group scene, of course, but there are other bits that could happily be trimmed. And I do, I agree with you. The the Paul Giamatti stuff is, is very sweet because you can see him being a sort of baby brother who's desperately trying to include his older brother in things and failing miserably. And every time he tries, he stops trying for a second, he accidentally basically hurts Fred's feelings. And it just seems like a really messed up relationship that isn't messed up because of anything anybody wants to do. It's just kind of what's happening. So anyway, so I really like that. Uh, I'd forgotten Kevin Spacey was in it. So that was an unwelcome reminder last night when I was sat down to watch it again. <laughs> the worst Christmas present. <laughs> it's it's like, oh, not, no. not really what you want to see. Yeah. Seriously, the worst Christmas <laughs> It's the worst Kevin Spacey Christmas-related thing since his his Christmas message is Frank Underwood that he he oh records boy. every year and you know someone should really take him to one side and go Kevin mate it's it's over just let it go let it you're, go you're, you're not Mister Christmas dude no, <laughs> yeah, no. Like, Stop. of course what's he doing <laughs> but, yeah. ironically Frozen a summer movie but there you go uh, mm. and Noel again had very high expectations so perhaps too high. Uh, I did like it, but I didn't love it. I do feel like if you're going to have Shirley MacLaine in your movie, you should like have Shirley MacLaine in your movie with a bit more to do. Shut up and deal her a better role. Is Quite exactly. That's a great New Year's movie. We should do that on a different podcast. Um, Christmas as well, isn't it? The apartment. It's, it, it straddles, it, doesn't it? It does it go through Christmas. You're, that's it's like, fair. That's it's like fair. trading places. It's a Christmas and a New Year. Hang on. Why are we doing Fred Claus and Noel when we could be doing Trading Places and The Apartment? Helen. Okay. Just, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. We're not doing Trading Places because that's been matched with The Princess Switch 2 switched again. And I didn't think you'd want to sit through that. Fair enough. Good argument. Carry on. <laughs> um, but yes, it's. I, I thought it was cute, but perhaps again, a little bit woolly, a little bit unfocused and could have been tightened up a bit overall so you know how did the i guess let's start with the leads how did the leads compare for you it, it feels like 
both Anna Kendrick and Vince Vaughn are essentially doing their usual thing, which is not to say that's a bad thing. I think for both of the films, that's exactly what you want. Like mm. Noel is a a lighter, brighter, you know, thing that needs that character who is so positive and enthusiastic about Christmas. Like you need the Lisa Simpson of Christmas in to star in the film of Noel. <laughs> and Anna Kendrick is perfect for that because we've seen it time and time again on screen. She has that enthusiastic uh, persona. So I thought her casting was really, really spot on. Uh, in that, you just from the poster shot which is a very bland, you know, white background sort of rom-com looking kind of poster, which it is not. But then with with uh, Fred Claus, I sort of, I haven't seen Vince Vaughn in a comedy for such a long time because it has been, you know, those very intense cell block 99 type films. And I was, I sort of forgot what Vince Vaughn was like on screen. I just haven't seen those films for such a long time. And I must admit, when I sat down with Fred Claus's uh, poster in front of me on, on the streaming service, it's a it's a shot of, Fred Claus riding a very small tricycle around Santa's workshop and it makes it look like it's going to be a really goofy zany movie and uh, and it starts off being quite grim really mm. so it took me I guess a little while to sort of calibrate what to expect and actually that tricycle shot from the poster is not in the film no. he never once <laughs> rides that tricycle around Santa's workshop uh, looking like a loon it's like that lady from the holiday so many Hollywood casting agents got in touch with that tricycle, trying to cast it in movies, <laughs> based purely on its appearance in the poster. I mean, it looked great on the poster, yeah. It does feel like one of those films where they probably improvised a lot more than actually made it to the screen. And and it's interesting, I mean, Chris, you mentioned Trading Places, the, the scene where he's dressed up as Santa trying to raise money on a street corner felt quite Trading Places-y yeah. um, in a lot of ways. And of, of course there, he's he, he, he ends up in a Santa brawl uh, with all the real real Santas. Sure. Real yeah. The licensed <laughs> collecting for licensed charities. Yeah, that's something that comes up in both films as well. The uh, the sort of the, the the industry of Santa and mm. um, you know Santa School in Noel and the licensed Santas in Fred Claus. That's a good true, point. Though, yeah. How many times as a kid did you see a Santa and just think you're not even trying, mate? Honestly. Mm. That's that's a fake beard. Sometimes they don't even bother. And in Northern Ireland, uh, growing up, Helen, I'm sure you had this as well. Oh yeah, I, it always took me out of the the magic of the scenario when a Santa would come in with a massively thick Northern Irish accent. I just think, <laughs> you know, when Santa comes in and going ho ho ho, where how's about you? How's about you? Have you been naughty or nice? So you have this year, and what do you, what do you want for Christmas this year? And it's fine. Listen, I'm not having a go with the Northern Irish accent. It, it, it's our accent. It is what it is. But I'm having a go at people. Just go that extra mile. Go to Santa school and learn that it's ho, ho, ho. And, you know, that's what Santa sounds like. That's what the Santa in the well sounds like. Although his beard looked massively fake. It, okay, but, you know, so does Kurt Russell's. And we're not complaining about that, are we? Kurt so, Russell's you know, it's beard fine. does not look fake. It, no beard is groomed that way in those perfect spirals. Come on. Have I just upset you? Oh my god! I think I've broken Chris. Oh, okay. Well, listen, okay. you're you're already on a list, but you're you're wow. going, you're going I'm on the list. <laughs> you're going up towards the top of that list. <laughs> wow! Can't believe that incendiary opinion about Kurt Russell's beard. Um, what are we talking about? Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. He is. Uh, he is. Yeah, he's very much in Vince Vaughn mode here. And I have to say, when <laughs> I saw him with with Rachel Vice in their scenes together, because she's Rachel his sort of love and Rachel Vice. Sorry, I can't resist. <laughs> no, I mean it's a seasonal song as well. We we once uh, people may not know that that Chris and I once rewrote Christmas carols 
to feature the names of uh, of A-list actors. And Rachel Weiss obviously was Edelweiss, which is not technically a Christmas no. carol, but, you know, it was close enough. But yeah, what were the other ones? Good King Wesley Snipes? The only one I can remember is Good King Wesley Snipes. Good King Wesley Snipes looked out on the feast of Stephen Dorf. <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally all I can remember. Uh, yeah. But of course, I've never met Helen before, so I don't, I don't know. No, uh, quite. Yeah, probably no just memory dreamed that. the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah. I've forgotten where we were. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah, Vince Vaughn and, and uh, Rachel Weisz. That, he, she seemed, in this film even, even playing sort of presumably slightly less glamorous than she is and, and a parking attendant. I was like, no, nah, she, she's out your league, mate. Look at her. Come on. Nah. <laughs> and at one point she gets hit on by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And I was rooting for that couple, even though they literally oh exchange... My- Three sentences. This is shocking. Both movies are about how you shouldn't judge books by their cover. And you are looking at Vince Vaughn, who's a little bit schlubby, let himself go a little bit. And you're saying that she's out of his league? Um, It's not the schlubbiness that means uh, she's out of his league. It's the absolute failure to, like, do anything with his life. I can relate to this. <laughs> this, is, this is perhaps one of the reasons why I really like Fred Claus. I look at yeah. this guy who's going nowhere with his life, doing nothing with the air quote gifts that he's been given. And I think that's a guy after my own heart. Absolutely. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, when he starts to achieve things, I, I got disconnected from Fred Claus a little <laughs> bit, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> So, so well, I just, I feel like, first of all, you're being a little bit hard on yourself, Chris, and you know how I hate to give you compliments, but it's true. And <laughs> and second of all, I just feel like hustling like he does is not the greatest path to success. And I call me an old cynic. I don't know. Sam, what do you think? I guess you have to, for that film, like, he's such a reluctant hero um, and you have to really start kind of in minus numbers with him at the beginning <laughs> so he can go on this kind of epic journey um it, you're right it does have that 80s kind of like gritty christmas feel even like scrooged you know because it's mm. quite it's it, i didn't expect it to be especially after just watching noel which is very fancy uh, you know full of fantasy even in the real world scenes i didn't expect this to be so gritty at the beginning and yet to see him you know basically conning people out of money ending up in prison but mm. you know this character needs to have that extreme circumstance to call his brother santa and bust him out of jail <laughs> get his bail money so I, I feel like the film really jumped up a notch for me once paul giamatti was introduced and and we sort of got to see this this family uh, relationship i guess mm-hmm. another reason i found the beginning of fred claus jarring is because the beginning of the film set centuries ago in the flashback scene with a young fred and a nick um yeah. is, is actually closer to noel it is that sort of more of a very christmassy uh picture postcard kind of uh scene mm-hmm. and then to see you know grown-up vince vaughn looking haggard and you know <laughs> conning people out of money um i, I just yeah that, that 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 departure was really jarring for me Hmm. I, yeah, I enjoyed him, you know, shouting abuse at a at a feisty young girl in his first scene. Like that was actually quite funny. I will admit that. But that opening just kind of took forever and felt like, you know, I just needed one page of explanation here and that would have been fine. Yeah, it's, it's 116 minutes long. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't need to be that. I, I think yeah. most comedies, uh, Sam can relate to this, most comedies shouldn't be longer than 90 minutes. Uh, those that that do really have to earn that longer running time, and I think Fred Claus, if I if it has one flaw, right, one which flaw, you're, you're willing one, to allow one, hmm. one flaw, Fred flaws, uh, then it is the running time and wow. some other stuff. 
but yeah, running time. I was going to say because there's there's some other thing there's some other nits we could pick here. I mean, they do could, sort of face that's true, but they do a sort of face mapping thing. So they get sort of John Michael Higgins, his head is basically mapped onto I don't know if it's a child or someone, but a, a much smaller person <laughs> playing an elf, and and it's pretty well done. But mm-hmm. it is you know especially when you see the elves in in large numbers, it is. Odd jarring. overall. Yeah. Jarring. It reminded me of, I mean, it's probably cutting edge in 2007, but now we have the Elf Yourself, um, you know, app and website where our offices around the country used to send you know, novelty cards around. And it's a similar technology to what is used in Fred Claus. It's not better than uh, Tiny Steve in Captain America, the first Avenger, don't you think? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. No, that's a Christmas movie. Just generally, it doesn't really have to have Christmas in it. We don't know that it's not. Exactly. It seems cold. It could be Christmas. We don't know. Um, how many how many Christmas trees did they really have on the front line? We can't Why does say. he crash in the North Pole? Because he's trying to help Santa. I believe he would as well, wouldn't he? Oh. <laughs> This is a this is a crossover I'd like to see. Disney Plus, if you're listening, you know that Marvel animated season where they do crazy stuff, what if? Yeah. This could be an episode of what if. Yeah. Chris you... Captain America's saving Christmas. Yeah. Did you see the thing that someone tweeted this the other day, uh, even though I've never met you before? Uh, yeah. someone tweeted this thing the other day saying, uh, is the Winter Soldier because they were asking which movies to watch in order, which Marvel movies to order to watch in order coming up to Christmas. And obviously there's only one Marvel Christmas movie, which is Iron Man 3, that is definitively set at Christmas. At Christmas, yeah. And then we were talking about, they were going, oh, maybe I'll watch The Winter Soldier. And I was like, it's, just because it's got the word winter in the title doesn't mean it's a Christmas movie. And then we, we we decided that we you know they could make a movie called Captain America, The Christmas Soldier. And I would be absolutely up for that. Um, mm. Kevin, if you're listening, I know you are, uh, then do get in touch. Uh, Helen and I and Sam is available as well to write this movie. Our fee starts at $3 million. Uh, do please get in touch. Well, I think that's that taken care of. Next year's Christmas presents are going to be pretty ace, people. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. And you said this podcast <laughs> wouldn't be lucrative. <laughs> I, I did say this podcast wouldn't be lucrative, and I stand by that. Um, <laughs> I'm interested. I, I don't know what you guys think, but I've been watching obviously a lot of Christmas movies over the past couple of weeks. And there's two themes that keep coming up again and again in movies involving Santa Claus. And I feel like they're both worth talking about. So the first thing is somebody always wants to shake things up at the North Pole and change the way things are done. And it usually then there's there's usually a thing that comes down to saving Christmas. Somebody has to save Christmas from something. And and it's interesting, like, this is one of the films where change is a good thing. So in Fred Claus, Fred basically says, no, let's get rid of the naughty list. There's no naughty kids. All the kids are nice. Everybody gets a present. And that is apparently taken up and becomes the new normal. Noel goes the other way. So we have Billy Eichner, you know, who's the tech member of the Kringle family and he's trying to shake things up and change the way things are done and apply and he's trying to deploy an algorithm to continue the Captain America uh, parallel and yeah. um, he comes down to the uh, the, the conclusion that there's under 3,000 nice kids in the world which is a very dark thought a really really it's depressing probably right look <laughs> hey I'm with Fred Claus on this Chris and wow I didn't think I'd say that but um, but yeah I mean is there I don't know what this says about Christmas movies, but it does keep coming up in movies involving Santa that somebody tries to shake things up at the North Pole and it usually has to do with their outlook on the niceness or otherwise of kids worldwide. 
It's just me. It, it yeah. sounds like it's just me. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether there's any sort of uh, moral or ethical message to be taken from that. <laughs> but I, I, I think, I think basically, for a movie like this to work, uh, it's fun as a writer to get your teeth into the mechanics of the North Pole and have, of how things work. I think one of the joys mm. of Noel in particular, I think more than Fred Claus, is the really funny training montage at the beginning of the movie where you have, you know, because Bill Hader's Nick is just incompetent and his heart's not in it and he doesn't want to be Santa Claus and he, he can't be arsed with the whole thing. And even though he's been apparently training this whole life, he's still rubbish at everything. And you mm-hmm. have this sequence where Noel is kind of teaching him the particulars of all of how to how to do it and i really liked some of the little tweaks that they did there you know the idea of you tap on a chimney three times and you sing we wish you a merry christmas but it has to be in key and then that makes the, the chimney magically uh open so you can you can slide down it and you know they have this this chorus this sort of greek chorus of of elves who are always singing to people Little things like that are fun, I think, for writers and directors to get into and, Mm. you know, to go, oh, okay, how genuinely, if the North Pole was a real thing and they genuinely, I mean, it is. Which it is. It is. I mean, the North Pole is genuinely a real thing, but if the if Santa, if Santa was, a, I'm not a truther. I'm not like saying that, you know, the, the, the Earth is flat and stops before the North Pole. The North Pole is a fiction. No, the North Pole is real. But that's say, for example, a Santa is real and elves are real and the idea of Christmas and workshops and factories and all this sort of stuff and uh, Santa sweatshops and, uh, you know, and he's a tyrant wow. who is making all these people make presents for him every year. This is all real. Mm. How would that work? What are the mechanics of that? And for writers, mm. I think it's really, really fun to get into that and tear it apart. What's interesting to think about both movies and that's through Arthur Christmas in here as well. Why don't mm. we? Because that's also cut from very much the same candy colored uh, cloth. They all in a way, always, they, they flirt with change. And yes, there's progression, certainly in Noel, because obviously, spoiler alert, Noel becomes Santa at the end of the movie. But there is a, I don't know, it's an alarming adherence to traditionalism in that all these movies still end with Santa and they still end with the paradigm mm-hmm. roughly being the same. So they flirt with these ideas of modernization and then they decide that most most of the time that it's a load of nonsense and we should just go back to the old ways. What I'm basically saying is that these three movies are Brexit as hell. And uh, <laughs> wow. And and, wow. And, and and it's all about taking back control and I'm not happy with it. Well, like I'm I'm going to regret uh, I'm going to reject the Brexit position for a start, Please but do. but you're not wrong, but I don't disagree otherwise. I I do think there is something quite interesting going on here. So Arthur Christmas, and we're going to spoil that as well, just in passing. Why not? Um, <laughs> has again a high tech member of the family who is kind of trying to push the North Pole forward, and you know streamline and mechanicize mechanicalize. I don't know that word anyway. Mechanize. Thank you. Yeah and mechanize everything and and make everything, you know, more standardized, whatever else. Um, and it's Arthur Christmas who remembers the true meaning in this, in that case of getting everyone their present, that there is no margin for failure, that everybody has to get the thing that they asked for. And so he goes to these extraordinary lengths to deliver this one bike that fell out <laughs> of Santa's giant UFO. And I think there's something similar going on in these two movies. Everything has to be delivered. And Noel, you know, there's none of this let's use Amazon Prime to deliver everything as as Billy Eichner's character wants to do. It has to go out the old-fashioned way in the magic sleigh, in the magic sack of 
stuff. Um, it has to be delivered by hand, essentially. And there is a little bit of kind of Luddite-ness, if that's the word, which it isn't, uh, in <laughs> in these movies. And Fred Claus is kind of the exception in the sense that he decides, no, everybody's going to get something come hell or high water. And that's that's a slight Communist. variation on the form. Even on the Santa Claus, even on Christmas Chronicles, that's a slight variation that we haven't seen before. So fair play for that. Everyone's going to either get a hula hoop or a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, I guess with that, that the thing about because the Santa system is perfect. You know, it's worked for a, forever um, and it can seemingly do this overnight, you know, this, this magic trick. Um, so to make a film starring Santa, you always need to introduce conflict. And I guess because Santa is such an old traditional figure, you know, mm. modern, it's always fun, you know, what if it was Amazon mm. Prime or, you know, whatever the next, you know, sort of gimmick of the day is uh, with, with both of those. But yeah, I guess that, as a writer, you need to sort of throw something into the mix because you know if it's perfect it already is already perfect um mm. we need to try something new for reasons and then you know a film a, a dramatic plot will ensue it's like yeah. it happens in santa claus a movie as well of you yeah. if you remember yeah. so oh, dudley yeah. moore's character patch the elf is trying to modernize christmas in that as well and the santa claus in that movie is uh, is very traditional you know he's making wooden toys and and whatnot, and uh, and so Pat tries to to shake Christmas up a bit with disastrous results. It has to be said, um, mm. and that's that's something I think we we talked about this on that podcast that we may or may not do uh, when we when we discussed the Christmas Chronicles a couple of years ago when it came out because there's something that there's something about movies like this in which Santa Claus is an entity and is a real thing and goes around the world delivering presents on Christmas Eve. As that, Santa Claus does. Yep. As Santa Claus does, because it's a real thing. We didn't, we, we've all discussed that. We've all confirmed it. That is just kind of weird in a way. So mm. because you also have some parents in these movies would go, oh, Santa Claus doesn't exist. Well, then how do you explain the toys that magically appear under your tree every year? Like, where do you think they came from? And also, how do you explain then the parents who are actually buying these presents for their kids? Mm -hmm. I, it's it's all they haven't it's, really thought through the mythology of that. Right. It's very but complicated. The and, and it's weird, isn't it? Because some of these movies, the more they explain the mythology, the more trouble I feel like they get themselves into. And yeah. I feel like that's that's my issue with the opening of Fred Claus in a way. Like the more they explained oh, he became a saint. And by the way, his entire family therefore also become immortal because saints are immortal and that's a thing that's a thing. I mean, <laughs> sure, I guess. But, it, you know, the more you explain that, the more I'm, I'm a bit like, eh, is it though? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas it's I think, you know, it's not, and I demand realism in my Santa movies. <laughs> like Santa Claus, the movie, that's that's 100% real to me. That that was, uh, my dad says that it, it literally came out at a point where I was beginning to wobble in my belief in Santa Claus and gave me a good other th two or three years more of yeah. being solidly believing. Because I was like, oh, yeah, the movie explained that. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. it leans into it so beautifully, Santa Claus the movie. It's got all mm -hmm. the trappings. You know, he he looks like Santa Claus, looks. Absolutely. He sounds like Santa This is David Huddleston, of course. He mm -hmm. sounds like Santa Claus should sound. He gives out things that Santa Claus should give out at Christmas. So instead of going, I want a PlayStation 5, and being furious when you don't get one because they're 500 quid and they're sold out. Uh, instead, you get a wooden train set uh, and normally you throw it into the into the river. You should be happy with that because that's the sort of presence that Santa gives out. That's a beautiful thing that's about true. that movie. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. It restored my faith in uh, St. Nick. Yeah. How about you, Sam? What was your uh, what's your favorite uh, Santa on screen? 
God, it's Jack Black and the Holiday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Holiday has zero, zero Santas in. Actually, the Holiday doesn't even feature Christmas Day in, which is really weird <laughs> for true. a Christmas film. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the Holiday. Maybe that's a deleted scene, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I. I've just got Christmas Chronicles in my my head because you know. Let's face it. Look at him. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure there him. must be a more classic example of, of, a, of a classic Santa on screen. But I mean, Kurt Russell does everything you need him to do in that film. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, very yeah. pro pro that version of Santa. Um, yeah, we- he is a, he is an outstandingly charismatic Santa. Let's be honest. I do like that a lot of these, you know, more contemporary versions of Santa, you know, they, they fully embrace like the magic side of things. Um, mm. There, There is like, I guess, a bit of trying to rationalize like how the toys are made, you know, epic factories, but it, it, there is still this element of magic and no one really try, ever tries to explain the stunt of, you know, delivering all of these, uh, which I worry about every time you see on screen Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve. It's a constant worry because no one ever explains how he does it. He just does it. Mm. They did yeah. work that out for Arthur Christmas. They did work out how many households he'd have to go to and then divided by the number of hours in the night and and time, time zones, zones and everything help. else. Yeah, yeah. and they, that's why they came up with this gigantic ship with all of these elves basically dropping down on sort of bungee cords down your chimneys. So there have been films that have attempted it. It still makes, uh, let's be honest, not a lick of sense because, you know, it is ultimately magic and, and it has to be yeah. um, because otherwise somebody would, would notice the mother-sized, <laughs> you know, sleigh in the sky. I think I read somewhere years ago that scientists worked it out that in order for Santa to deliver presents to every kid on the planet, and let's say, for example, conservative estimate is that what there's one and a half to two billion kids on the planet right now uh, of, of, of Santable age. All right. Okay. So, okay. So let's say, for example, it's one billion kids and there's spread around how many countries in the world are there? Four, five, however, however many there are. Roughly, yeah. 200? That's more roughly. than I had written down. Okay. Um, okay. I can work with that. In one night, even accounting for time zones, mm. that he would have to travel at something akin to the speed of light and he would have a, a per house or apartment, or whatever, he would have somewhere in the region of 0.2 seconds to deliver a present, and that he would travel so fast that he and his reindeer would burst into flames. That's basically... I, I mean, it just somewhere. goes to show high little scientists know, doesn't it? I mean... You know. <laughs> what do they know? I what mean... Honestly, honestly, next to be talking about some sort of crazy vaccine or something. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Well, no, that's Dolly Parton's role, so we, we leave that to her. <laughs> Dolly um, is here to save Christmas. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Can we talk about the fact that Santa dies in this movie? Because I think that's really dark and bleak. In Noel. Yeah, in Noel. Yeah, in Noel. Not in Fred (laughs) Claus. Uh, Perhaps he did in an earlier cut and Mm. they brought Giamatti back. Who knows? But he dies. So the Santa that we see at the beginning of the movie, who's the father Mm. of Nick and Noel, 
it dies off screen. <laughs> and, she, and Noelle kind of in the, in the voice of it goes, oh, yeah. Anyway, years later, oh, my dad had just died. Oh, mm. it's very sad. Anyway, we moved on. And you're just like, how does this happen? How does yeah. Santa just die? Well, now that is also obviously in Arthur Christmas where Santa is a kind of lineage. So you had Grand Grand Santa, Grand Santa, Grandpa Santa. Grand Santa, um, yeah. Santa, yeah. And then Hugh Laurie Santa and then obviously Arthur himself. So, um, you know, there's there's precedent for Santa being a kind of, you know, fiefdom, I guess, where well, it's, a, it's an inheritable title. The Santa Claus, of course. The Santa, Santa Claus, Claus is, a, is another yeah, movie really. that begins with Santa Carkinet. Mm. And this is it's a some, bold choice. It's a bold choice. It's a bold strategy called Now see if it pays off. It, I mean, this is, I, you know, I, the Santa Claus came along for me. I don't, I don't particularly like those movies. Um, mm. Those are the movies that I would think more than Fred Claus when I was talking earlier on about the, you know, the idea that heart in the Christmas movie can feel a bit fake and a bit manufactured and a little bit cynical. Those movies are more what I'm talking about. Fred Claus, right? I actually do feel that there is it's coming from a, a, a genuine place uh, at the end, the transformation, the great moral transformation mm. that happens at the end. And what happens, you know, admittedly, you know, he's toxic now, but what happens with Kevin Spacey's character in that movie and the, the, the his backstory, which is that he was a, a kid who didn't get the present he wanted from Santa Claus. And so he took it upon himself to take Santa Claus down. At the end mm. of the movie, he gets the gift that he always wanted. And, you know, the, you know, it's not a dry eye in the house, obviously. Um, but to start the Santa Claus with Santa dying, and then to start this movie with Santa dying as well, although it's not as violent as it is Santa Claus, where I believe he's stabbed. Um, it's really tricky. Like, just imagine putting yourself in the shoes of a kid watching this movie for the first time. Mm. Like, yeah, and he can die. <laughs> Sam, did that traumatize you, or are you okay? I was quite traumatized uh, by that um, development, but also because it, I think it's Bill Hader, like the twenty-third Santa. Um, so then it sort of started me to do this, like maths, and like, okay, so when did Santa officially start? And also because everybody has misread the rules of Santa uh, in Noel, um, so there have been. There has happened to have been 23 sons born to be Santa, mm-hmm. um, you know, over this time. And it's only now that there's ever a woman who's in contention for Santa. Uh, Bloody it was, typical. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was all because it, it feels like they've they've kind of left it to chance. Is that like Santa can die, but he always has to have a son uh, to pass it on to. There's no there's no backup in the rule book there. It felt very vulnerable. That's I was thinking about logistics here. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean. There may well be sort of other factors at work. We have seen, God help us, I have seen other films where Santa has to get married by a certain date. Obviously, the Santa Claus 2 is probably the one that leaps to all our minds. It's a it's a film that exists. Uh, but it has happened in a lot of different films. There was that one where Steve Gutenberg plays Santa's son and comes to the real world and yada, yada, awesome. yada, has to find a Mrs. Claus. I'm not kidding. Has to find a Mrs. Claus by Christmas Eve because of reasons. Um, you know, it. This is a, this is a thing that Santa has these tasks that he has to perform in order to maintain his position. So the, maybe that's one of them, Sam. Or it may also be latent magic involved in the lineage and that the the magic has essentially decided that now there's a an eligible woman. Because there's this element in Noel where she is almost mystically appointed Santa, that she starts mm. developing the powers, you know, spontaneously in a way that her brother never did. Which makes me wonder if it's part of Santa's grand plan. <laughs> right back at the beginning. That he, it's like he a sense of force that, yeah. that like imbues the right person. It lives in all of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. The real magic was the sense we made along the way. 
<laughs> right. I guess so. But, but it, again, this is one of those things where, you know, you're left with a lot of questions after this. As Sam rightly points out, 23 previous Santas, presumably all firstborn male heirs, right? Mm-hmm. But what if the daughter is born first? So is this a patriarchal society? Helen, don't even get me started on that, right? I mean, have they got the the Salic law? Is it male primogeniture or is it just primogeniture? Who knows? We don't. They don't make that clear. Look at my notes for the film. I'm going to show you Mm. you that I wrote down that phrase exactly as you just said. Whatever it was you just said, I said that as well in my notes. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, like so many many questions. So if Noelle had been born first, would she have been passed over? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not fair. I mean, you know, Christ Almighty Santa, it's the... 2020s. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 2010 teens when they made it, but close enough, you know. Yeah. 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 Just thinking about Noel, in the logistics of Noel, the North Pole is a very small town, and Santa has to, you know, have a, a partner um, to to breed future Santas here. It must be an incredibly inbred uh, sort of civilization because there are, <laughs> well, there's a handful of houses. There's, if you think of the town hall scene, that's like I don't know, maybe fifty or sixty people on screen in that town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, no wonder he's magic. All of the inbreeding. Wow. I mean, this is getting really dark now. That's yeah. that's really disturbing. But I mean, there is, again, precedent for Santa going to the real world and coming back with a bride or groom. Um, what, just so, stealing them off the no, street? No, not like stealing them, but like, you know, they go and they like hang out in a town for a bit and they meet some likely person. And what do you know? They argue at first and the person thinks they're crazy because they keep talking about the North Pole. But then over time, they get to see that they have a really good heart and they're really charmed by their devotion to Christmas. And what do you know? Yada, yada, yada. They get married. So hang on, hang on a second. Has this been made as one of those terrible Hallmark things that you watch all the time? So on those? many of those films. There <laughs> so, are so, so many members of Santa's various families who have come to the real world and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> fallen in love with somebody. I was genuinely startled that there wasn't a big love story with Kingsley Benadire's uh, PR PI character because I, yeah. I I really thought that was going to be a major factor in the film. That was yeah. uh, he played Jake. I suspect there was uh, and mm. it, it probably got cut out uh, because Kringles don't do that kind of thing because you know once you pop you can't stop etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and it turns into it turns yeah you open a kringle and it's just you know it's crunchtastic and once once you start that once you go down that dark path forever will it dominate your destiny Mm. but uh has there never been a movie because you know again if kevin feige's listening we are available so there's never been a movie helen in all your experience where santa Mm -hmm. goes esquiring santa needs a bride and you know oh Oh, yeah there is yeah Okay. Well, San- so, yeah. the Santa Claus two for one, um, right. but I'm pretty sure the sequel to the Steve Gutenberg one was the one where he got married. There's two of those films at least, maybe even three. There's w- way more films than you would think that has have Steve Gutenberg as Santa. There are just so way they- more Christmas films than you would think. How do these movies deal with that? Pretend for a second that I can't remember a single thing about the Santa Claus two. Uh, sure. Okay, just go with me in that one. So, how do these movies get round that? So, Santa presumably what goes but undercover. And goes into a small town, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. falls, you know, gets someone to fall in love with them, and then she's like, "Oh, I'm in love with you." And then, and then he goes, "Oh, by the way, I'm Santa, and you're gonna have to come and live with me in the North Pole, which is a real place, and and spend eternity with me." And they're like, "Okay, I guess." Yeah, I mean, and that's a quite now bringing us back vaguely to the topic we were discussing. Like that is also kind of a thing in Fred Claus, you know. 
does Rachel Weiss know and does it play a role in her decision to stick with him that she will become immortal if she marries him? Like, you know, is is there a is there an ulterior motive then at that point to stay with him? I don't know. But yes, that is essentially exactly what Santa does. He usually adopts a very unconvincing alias. It will usually be Chris Kringle or Nick something. I'm not kidding. Nick North or something like that. <laughs> when Dracula becomes Dr. Alucard. Yes, exactly <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, Atnus. Yes, he should be Atnus and just spell Santa backwards. And he will, you know, work in a toy shop or something or uh, apparently have no job and, you know, just turn magically up when this person needs help or something. It's very weird genre of films, but it, it really does exist. I guess Elf's a bit like that as well, isn't it? Elf, yeah. you know, Will Ferrell comes from Buddy, comes from the, the North Pole, which is a real place, and goes to New York, which is an even more real place, mm. and uh, gradually you know, infiltrates real life. Yeah, interesting. Okay. I just thought I was onto something there. I thought, I thought, I'd, I thought, I'd, uh, I thought I'd come up with the next <laughs> big script. I mean, but, hey it- I don't think it's been done well. So there's that. The oh, Santa rom-com. Well. <laughs> we could, oh, I tell you what, Sam's got all this experience with Christmas rom-coms through the holiday, right? With his expertise and your great idea for a Santa uh, romance, I feel like we could make this happen. I'm just tagging along um, so I can get a third of the fee. But this could work. A, a really high quality Santa Christmas romance that doesn't star Steve Gutenberg. Or Tim Allen. <laughs> you have to you have to specify that on the cover page of the script. Yeah, Santa could swap houses with someone. We could get Cameron Diaz out of retirement for it. Oh wonderful. my god! <laughs> we'll resurrect Eli Wallach. Uh, she Jack would Black be would genuinely be a good Christmassy. Uh, a good Christmassy. A good Santa Claus. <laughs> Jack Black would genuinely be a good Santa Claus. Yeah, his beard is grey now, and he looks really good with it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, we have blown this thing wide open. Okay, so it's a holiday reunion with Cameron Diaz as the prospective Mrs. Claus. Although he was with uh, Kate Winslet in the holiday. This doesn't was, work. It's that, already that, that relationship apart. doesn't work in the holiday, so let's mix things up a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay. So Cameron Diaz and Jack Black as Mr. and the prospective Mrs. Claus. Um, we'll get Kate Winslet and, and Jude Law in there somewhere. Jude Law could be, I don't know, Jack Frost or something. He's like a confidant maybe to Santa Claus. He's like his bestie. Yeah, he's his, uh, number one. That's, that sounds great. He's number <laughs> one, yes. And Kate Winslet is uh, Mother Nature. She's in the Santa Claus movies. That works. Um, cool. We've figured this out. This is amazing. Hi, everybody. My name's Helen. And I'm Kobe. And we're from Flix Watcher, a podcast in the strip media family. We are a movie podcast and we review films that are just on Netflix in the UK. So if you've ever struggled to find a film on Netflix to watch, we're the podcast for you. We have guests on from other podcasts, big and small, just like these guys that you listen to now. They choose the films and we rate them and discuss them with our unique scoring system. You can find Flix Watcher on any podcast app by searching Flix Watcher. That's F L I X Watcher. And if you want more information about any of the other podcasts in the Strip Media family, just visit www.strips.media to find out more. We do have to rank both films on two different criteria. So, first of all, we have to rank their Christmassiness. Now, just to give you an idea of the rankings here, you know, a film like uh, Joyeux Noël, which was about, you know, Christmas in the trenches, scored surprisingly high in this category. 
at least as far as I was concerned. Whereas a film like Trading Places might score lower because while there is a man in a Santa suit in it, it's not the most Christmassy film ever. So that's kind of, you know, we're we're trying to figure out where these fall on that category. What do you think, Sam? I... I think both. I mean, both are extremely uh, Christmassy. <laughs> I think mm. they, you know, there's lots of fantasy kind of stuff in there, lots of magic. Um, and, and you mentioned Elf earlier. They both sort of evoked feelings of Elf, which is an incredibly sort of Christmassy movie. I feel like Noel slightly is ahead. You know, like if maybe it's like a nine, and and Fred Claus is an eight for me, uh, just because it doesn't. It, even when it's in the real world, it's still more sort of upbeat and feel good. Like I, I genuinely thought the beginning of Fred Claus was quite dark, um, which was not not hugely festive. But Fred Claus had a moment that made me tear up towards the end when he completes his mission, and uh, Noel didn't didn't ever sort of get me feeling that in emotional. So yeah, no no feels for Noel. But um, yes, yeah, so I didn't expect to be almost crying at Fred Claus last night. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I think they both work. And Christmas films typically do make me cry. I think it started with It's a Wonderful Life, and then oh yeah. Things like shop around the corner, even the holiday. You know, when Hans Zimmer's music, you know, swells towards the end, and and everybody meets their loves. Um, it's, it's, it's yeah, so Christmas is like my kryptonite, I think, and I I just cry uh, willy nilly at these films. So Fred Claus sort of got the uh, approval of a Christmas cry, uh, which Noel did <laughs> not uh, from me. It gets bonus points for that. How about you, Chris? Yeah, there's Christmassy as the M&S wrapping paper that has the uh, the sizes on the back. So you can actually, has the grid on the back. So you can actually oh, cut yeah. in a straight line. Very, very useful. Oh, the best uh, wrapping paper. That's when you know Christmas is here. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think they're both very, very Christmassy. Noel, I think, is probably slightly more Christmassy mm-hmm. than Fred Claus, which does have that sort of adherence to the, the real world aesthetic. It's like, like the French connection to suddenly become a Christmas movie. Uh, although, yeah, another movie in which uh, there is uh, someone dressed up as Santa Claus. Gene Hackman dresses up as Santa Claus in that movie oh, as well. Yeah. So, yeah. <gasps> I can do that next year if yeah. this comes back again. French connection and Die Hard. Finally, finally. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that they're both very Christmassy movies. Uh, what are we ranking it out of? I mean, let's ten. go ten. I mean, I've been, I've, I've gone back and forth. I'll be honest between five and ten. I'm not being at all. You're, you're, you know, consistency is the key to these things. I think so. I think so. So I've just not. In that case, I'm going to say out of ten, Fred Claus is a thirteen, and Noel is a seventeen. Wow. Do you rate dogs as well? That's <laughs> they're good Christmases, Brent. <laughs> they're all good Christmases. Uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to somewhat agree with you both. I think Noelle probably has the edge for sheer Christmasiness, uh, if only for her fabulous ensembles with those kind of patterned tights, kind of fair isle tights and just like little skirts. Absolutely adorable. Love it. And yeah, Fred Claus is is also high, but just slightly behind. And then we also rank these films on objective quality because it's not always a given in Christmas movies, let's be honest. And uh, some of them go all out for Christmasiness and forget the objective quality stakes. So how would you rank these there? I think they were both quite disarming. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I was, I didn't have huge expectations, even though I was really looking forward to Noel. I didn't think it would be that good, but both of them was like, oh, you know, that was pretty, you know, it was pretty yeah, good. Yeah. It kind of catches up on you because there are like there's moments of genuine emotion in there, um, moments of sweetness, moments of comedy. Anna Kendrick mm-hmm. made me laugh quite a lot uh, in Noel. He'd like little really silly gags as well. I, I, I think she's really giving it 110 percent uh, in yeah. it. So yeah. so yeah, I sort of I, I think performance and look at the casts of both of these films. I mean, like, 
these are really serious yeah. productions with with you know huge stars in, and uh, and and I think both of them are maybe slightly let down by some of the visual effects, um, the elf yourself of mm. Fred Claus, and and some of the CGI creations in Noel. Some of them were amazing. Like I loved how the reindeer before they took off like banged their um, uh, mm. horns together. Uh, that's not right. Antlers together. Think, how they yeah. sort of tapped antlers, and it was this weird sort of routine. Um, yeah, these very strict reindeer had. Um, but I did think the cute sort of baby reindeer looked a bit bad, and some of the <gasps> are they puffins in the North Pole? Snow cone was appalling. Absolutely appalling. <laughs> um, uh, and everyone who involved with that should be ashamed of themselves on some level. Oh but, uh, but yeah, I, 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 in terms of the quality of the films. I thought that, uh, as you know, I'm a Fred Claus stan. I stan mm-hmm. Claus. I stan Fred. Fred stan. And, you know, I still think that, it's, yeah, it's flawed as hell. But every time I watch it, I have a great time with it. And so I think that, you know, if we were going out of five stars, which is traditionally what we would do, I would be controversial and go high three, low four. Okay. Uh, and I'm pretty much the same with Noel, actually. You know, when I said it was a delight, I was transported constantly. I think uh, Anna Kendrick is is wonderful in the role. I think Bill Hader is underused, but whenever he's on screen, he's very, very funny uh, because he completely does not want to be Santa Claus at all. They, whenever they reunite in that uh, in the yoga place in Phoenix, they're both very, very funny. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a guy who really made me laugh out loud, which is that she's yelling at him. And he's like, "No, we don't want people to hear us." And he just he pulls over the sort of <laughs> the, the rope, the rep, the net curtain, the rope curtain. He thinks that he thinks that'll do. But uh, yeah, there's just some lovely little throwaway lines in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's brilliant. I think she, you know she's great. You know, yeah, genuinely one adorable. of the people I could listen you know to read the phone book that old cliche. But you know, mm-hmm. she would infest it with life and personality, and she does here. Uh, I was just glad to see Mark Lawrence back uh, behind the camera. To be honest, mm-hmm. because this is a guy I think he's one of the most underrated writers and directors in Hollywood. Uh, this is his first movie as a director without Hugh Grant. <laughs> which is incredible but you know previously he uh he directed two weeks notice music and lyrics uh, did you hear about the morgans which we will move on quickly from oh, and, what, yeah. the, and the rewrite which is terrific if you've never seen the rewrite yeah, it's a good movie yeah really good uh really grown up really adult sort of rom-com ish but more of a character study of a guy who's a bit lost in life mm. um and this is much more glossy and much more Christmassy. And I don't think there's a single plot development you, you don't see coming in this one. Maybe one in that I thought that Cousin Gabe, played by Billy Eichner, was going to become the de facto bad, bad guy. guy of the piece. Yes. And he doesn't really. There isn't a bad guy. Yeah, really. I think both films, you know, work to at the very least diffuse the bad guy you think there's going to be. I did think that that Cousin Gabe needed one more scene of sort of maybe reconciliation or something at the end and sort of going, okay, you're right. My, my ideas didn't work or some, you know, mm. some kind of mm. button on that side plot. But I agree. I think both films go out of their way to sort of, Oh God, I've complained about this elsewhere. I don't know if you've ever heard me, Chris, but uh, <laughs> you know, they they go out of their way to understand their bad guys and give them a little bit of, of context and, mm. um, and kind of diffuse any nastiness in the end. Mm. Yeah, it's absolutely similar in that respect. You know, mm. both of them, the antagonists come in to change things up or shut things down, and then they end up actually working uh, with the establishment uh, for Christmas's future. <laughs> and they both have that sort of similar story of helping a kid out, a specific kid, yeah. um, in the story, um, and you know, making them have a fabulous Christmas. And they both have a gag about turning up at a Jewish household and having an awkward moment. <laughs> yeah, and there's the exchange with the Buddhist as well that Noel has yes. in, in Noel, which is. 
which is fun. What's the, what's the line she says? My dad always said said this about Christmas. It was like sushi. The Japanese invented it, and then everyone, everybody in the world got on board. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he goes, I love sushi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. Really fun. Yeah. Uh, can I just say as well that, you know, I think Santa Claus is very relevant. And, you know, I wonder if the arrival of the vaccine for the pandemic mm. is proof that Santa Claus exists. Because the fact that it's it's been announced just before Christmas, I think he's been working on it. He and his elves. Wow. They've been making magic happen in the workshop this year. No one's going to get a PlayStation 5, but we are going to get health and the ability to see our friends and i thank and you for that, that the real gift that is it i mean i may even get to see helen in person soon which is what? obviously not a gift it's, anybody wants no, but it's there a you mixed go. mixed bag but you know. <laughs> no, no, um, no it's uh it's it's wonderful and i think you know i think that uh we may be as adults we 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 fall out of love with the the idea of of santa claus and believing in him and i think that the the vaccine may be the ultimate proof that he exists Let's all leave out a mince pie this year. <laughs> so you're saying a really nice mince pie for Santa this year because he's earned it with his yeah. research alongside, of course, Dolly Parton. Um, that's yes. that's. I mean, that's that's a good way to sum it up. So, so people, if you're expecting Santa at your house this year, please do make sure to leave out one of the good mince pies. According to one article I read, actually, those are the ones from Iceland, not the ones from one of the fancy supermarkets. So you can save yourself a bob or two uh, yeah. on the way. There you go. Um, and that is it for uh, for Noel and Fred Claus. Uh, thank you so much, Sam and Chris, for your expertise in this matter. And I am sorry, I will try and get both The Holiday and Die Hard in next year. I promise. That's the dream double bill. <laughs> and you do National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, aren't you? You are doing that with something? Not this year, but if, if again, I'm hoping that something will come up next year and I'll be able to make, make all these in. If you are a filmmaker listening to this show, <laughs> this is our wish list mm -hmm. for next year. We want films that we can discuss in relation to Die Hard, uh, Christmas Vacation and The Holiday. Thank you, please, very much. That should work, right? They're that listening, right? Yeah, that yeah. should work, yeah. We'll be, yeah. We'll be inundated yeah. with, uh, with movies <laughs> <laughs> all popping up on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't mind. It can be on any of the services. I'm not fussy. So guys, just whatever you're doing, those are those are our targets. So yeah, thanks a lot. All right. Thank you so much, Sam and Chris. Um, just if anyone's listening out there, where can they find more from you guys? Where should they look? Sam? You can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Clements, or you can find a 90 Min Film Fest at 90 Min Film Fest on Twitter. And just search on your podcatcher of choice for the holiday season if you want some more festive treats, or if you're sick of Christmas and you want something <laughs> short, uh, find the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. There's actually an episode, a great episode with Chris, uh, talking about Hot Rod, uh, which is a perfect digestif oh. for after all of that Christmas turkey. Why? That sounds wonderful. Cool bean. <laughs> also... Came out in 2007, same year as oh. Fred Claus. Oh my it's God. all connected. All Look ties at that. together. So, yes. Chris, tell me where people might find your work. Uh, I'm behind people right now. Whoever's listening to this, look behind you. I am there. <gasps> I'm like the Batman. I'm going to melt into the shadows. Uh, so, you can find me on Twitter, where I am, has to be said, hilarious, as at Chris Hewitt. Uh, I'm on Instagram as at CTAH1976, which is less hilarious. And uh, you can find me hosting the Empire podcast every Friday. We have a regular film show. Uh, Helen appears now from time to time as well. I do. 
You do. Okay, oh Helen God. has been known to occasionally be on that, that show as well. I knew <laughs> I remembered you from somewhere. Yes, of course. It's like, it killing oh. me all the way through this podcast. Like, I know the That's voice. Right. I know that voice. It's uh, working so it, together for 17 years. That's what's done it. Yeah. It is that. Yes. It is that. And also, you're obviously growing up in the same village. Um, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Eating the same potatoes, yeah. Eating the same potatoes, fighting over the same potatoes. My potato, my potato, no, my potato. That's uh, how Helen and I were growing up, obviously. And um, obviously. Uh, we're also, so we're on the Empire podcast, and we also have a spoilers special subscription channel. Um, mm-hmm. So I know it's a crazy idea that we, you might pay for podcasts, but uh, believe me, these things are worth it, <laughs> probably. So you can you can do that as well, and the details of how to do so, should you want to listen to all our incredible spoiler specials with uh, am- amazing interviews with some of the biggest names in Hollywood uh, are available for you to do so. So mm-hmm. check out my pinned tweet on Twitter. Uh, I think that's it. And is you, that can it? Also, you can also find Chris's work in, of course, Empire Magazine, um, which is... On sale monthly and all good and evil news agents. And again, you can subscribe to that so you will never miss an, miss an issue and you will get the super subscribers covers, which are mm. things of beauty. Things of beauty indeed. Yes. So buy and listen to anything that I'm on. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Modesty is key. It's very Christmassy. Uh, yeah. Okay. So thank you both again. And, uh, and here's to Christmas. Here's to Noel and Fred Claus, wherever they may be delivering whatever presents they may be delivering. Merry Christmas. Ah, humbug. (laughs) If you've enjoyed listening to Bah Humbug, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts because it really helps other people find the show. You can also subscribe so you automatically get the rest of this podcast lined up hassle-free and it's only going to be a limited run up to Christmas. It won't be using up all your data. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can pre-order my book, Women vs. Hollywood, The Fall and Rise of Women in Film, which comes out in February 2021. You can also, of course, find me in Empire Magazine, which is the world's best film magazine for my money. And I'm on the Empire podcast every week and host the podcast, His Darker Materials, to coincide with BBC HBO drama, His Dark Materials. If you'd like to connect with me or comment on the show or have any queries or comments, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Helen L. O'Hara, or you can email producers at stripped.media. And I'd like to thank all the people who have made this podcast happen. Thanks to all the team at Strip Media, including Ben Williams, who edits this podcast, as well as Tom Wally, Dave Corkery and Kobe Omanaka, who have all helped produce and put this show together. Thanks also to all of my guests who have been absolutely wonderful in giving up their time to watch some Christmas films that are not always 100% great. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and others produced by Strip Media, please visit www.stripped.media to find out more. And that's it. Merry Christmas. You just heard a Stripped Media production.